Welcome to the North Cross Sermons Podcast. At North Cross, we believe Jesus changes everything. To learn more about us and our ministry, visit us at northcrossmn.org. And be sure to check out the episode description for notes and discussion questions. Well, welcome three of relationship goals. Uh, This is a message series where we're discovering the types of goals that growing, thriving marriages will want to have. And the reason why this series is so important is because of something we talked about in the very first week. I'll say it this way on the screen, that marriage isn't easy, Uh, We talked about how if you feel exhausted and frustrated in your marriage sometimes, that's not necessarily because you've married the wrong person. It's simply because you're married and that's going to happen. It's not because of the wrong person. It's because in marriage, God asks people to do some things that don't come naturally. We're asked by God to love, to serve, to be selfless. And this is in direct contrast or conflict with how we act and think naturally. By nature, we are all very self-focused. By nature, we're concerned more about ourselves than anyone else around us. And yet, Even though that is our nature, I told you in week one that I'm really optimistic about the marriages, not only in church, but uh, for those of you watching online. Why? Not because you're awesome, not because your spouse is awesome, but because when a marriage is built on the foundation of Jesus, When that's the foundation, perfect marriages are still not possible, but growing, thriving relationships absolutely are. And so the big takeaway for this series is we want to leave you with three relationship goals that all have Jesus as the foundation of them, that God willing, you can write them down, store them away, use them Take them away from this series, these three goals. Last week, we talked about the importance of marriages being Christ-focused. Every relationship, every life is focused on something. If you're not sure what your life or relationship is focused on, I mentioned that one way to sort of determine a little bit of that is check your calendar or maybe your bank statement. That will tell you at least a little bit of where the focus of your life or your relationship or your family is. And I want you to also know that just because a marriage is made up of two Christians doesn't necessarily mean that it's Christ-focused. There can be two Christians in a marriage relationship focused on a whole bunch of other things rather than Christ. And so here was the first relationship goal that I shared with you last week, that the goal is to have a marriage where we keep Jesus first and each other second. So many people in life are in search of the one, the one to make them happy. And I propose that what we really should be in search of is the two, 
because the one, whether you're single or married, will always be the Lord. Jesus first, your spouse second. And what does that look like in your marriage? There's a lot of ways that that can look, but I gave you a very, what should I say, simple way to get started. I proposed as a habit to pray together daily. That if you would just, with your spouse, be committed to praying together daily and husbands, men, I'm asking you to lead on this because that's our role, that we would pray together daily. It's amazing how that can be the catalyst for so much more of a focus on Christ throughout the day and throughout our lives. Well, as we get into the content for this week, I'm going to ask you to do something that doesn't always happen naturally, but Church is a good place for this. You see, if you're anything like me, much of my life and much of my calendar tends to be focused on the urgent. And because of that, oftentimes the important gets missed or gets forgotten. We get so consumed with what needs to happen today that we don't take time to step back and to think about the bigger picture. Now, here's why doing this is so important. Like when you go on vacation, it's pretty important to have a destination so you know where to drive at the beginning of the journey in order to get the destination to the destination. A vacation without a specified destination is a difficult vacation. It's true with life too. This is true for single people. It's true for marriages. If we don't set the destination, if we don't think about where is it that we want to go, we're not going to know what route to take before we get there. So over the last couple years, um, Carrie and I have had an opportunity to speak into the lives of about um, a dozen pastors and their wives and their marriages. And one of the things that we have them think about is this scenario. It's your 50th wedding anniversary. You're gathered with your children, grandchildren, and friends at a party that they're throwing in your honor. They're telling stories and expressing their love. What types of things would you hope they say? What types of things would you hope they think about when it comes to your life together and how you used your time together as husband and wife. This is a a good scenario to think about on a marriage level. It can be kind of convicting a little bit, can't it? (laughs) It's also a good thing to think about just on a personal level. I think those two things go hand in hand. But What sorts of things would you hope people think about when they think about you on your 50th anniversary or when you're 75 years old or whatever it might be? You know, a lot of life is very mundane, like changing diapers or cleaning up after dinner again or mowing the lawn again. But over time when you look at your life or when you look at your marriage or where you look at your family, certain themes start rising to the surface, don't they? 
We can see them when we take the time to look. Um, Maybe you're a couple that really loves adventure, and that sort of theme comes out over time. Or maybe you're someone that loves just to stay home and chill and relax, and, and, and that's kind of what you do. Maybe you're a family or a couple that's all about the kids and their activities and, and showing them love through that. Maybe, maybe you're all about vacation and you save money and you look forward to that annual or biannual vacation. Um, there are certain themes that come out. It's good for us to think about these things. Think about how are we living our lives now as we think about the future and as we also think about our eternal destination. And here's something that we're going to unpack today in the message and Jesus does in a parable that he spoke. Number one, your do, that is what you do with your life, it rhymed if I said it this way. Your do will be directly affected by your view. The way you view life, the way you view yourself, will have a direct correlation, it should at least, to what we do and to how we spend our lives. And sometimes, in order to have a better do, we might need to have a better view. And that's exactly what Jesus talks about in a parable that we're going to look at today. He talks about a better view of life that will then affect a more God-pleasing, a better do. It's recorded for us by one of Jesus' uh, biographers. His name was Luke. And at the very beginning of Luke chapter 12, um, you can read this for yourself uh, at home. Um, Jesus spends a whole lot of time talking to a large crowd. In fact, Luke records that there were thousands listening to Jesus. And he spends the first 11 verses or so, 12 verses, talking about things of eternal significance. Things like um, heaven and hell, salvation and damnation, like things that are at the essence of our existence, really, really important stuff. And then the very first question that's kind of recorded by a gentleman in the crowd was this. After all this important stuff, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to defy the inheritance with me. What? That doesn't even make sense. That's not a good question based on what Jesus was just talking about. I was trying to liken it to something that happened to me at times as a a parent, where there's this really important parent moment where I'm talking to the kids about something that has to do with with life and maybe it has to do with the Lord. Just this really important, impactful thing, or so I think. And then the very first question one of the kids asked after dad's done with this great teaching is, hey, dad, can I have ice cream with sprinkles on it? Or something out of left field. Like you, you know that they weren't even listening to you because their brain was on something else. That's how it was for this, this man. 
God was talking about things of eternal significance, and he was concerned about money. He was concerned about his brother giving him an inheritance. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? If, if in his response, Jesus sounds a little frustrated, you know why that is? Because he was. He was frustrated with this man. This man was more concerned about money and worldly things than about the things that he was talking about, Jesus was, that had to do with eternal significance. And so Jesus takes the moment to teach him. He said, to the entire crowd, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Do you know that God gives you what you have because he wants you to enjoy it? Do you know that God is pleased when you go on vacation? Do you know that God loves it when you enjoy the children that he's given to you or the grandchildren? Do you know that God loves it when we enjoy our lives? But do you know what greed is? Greed is when we as human beings, I'll say it this way, where we try to find our happy through the stuff that we have. And when that happens, there's never enough. There's never enough money. There's never enough stuff. There's never enough fun. There's never enough vacations. When we try to find these blessings that God has given to us, when we try to find our happy from those things, we're always going to need or want more. When our life is focused on the gifts that God has given instead of the giver, it's going to cause us to not only be greedy, but to be very unhappy. And it's going to lead us down a wrong path. That's, that's why Jesus says, watch out, be on your guard, because this can really take you in a bad direction, finding you're happy in the things of this world. Verse 15 continues. He says, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Your significance is not found in what you have or what you get to do, or who's sitting next to you. And I think when we take a moment just to think about this, like, I'm guessing very few of you would disagree with this. Very few of us would disagree that, you know, life is all about the new iPhone, or life is all about a bigger house, or a better neighborhood, or a nicer car. Like, I don't think we would ever frame it that way. But when you look at the focus of our lives at times or in certain seasons, I think sometimes, for some of us, the reality of life does show a different answer. And in those moments... We need days like this. We need parables or teachings like Jesus had to snap us out of that focus and to remind us, for some of you, what you already know. And I'm going to say it this way in our second fill-in, that there is more to life than this life. That there is more to your existence than what happens from your birth until our death. 
And if you are only aware, if you live only aware of what you see, you're not going to get the full picture. If you live only being aware of what you can see with your eyes, you're not going to get the full picture. (laughs) It it makes me think of uh, something that happened to me this past week. I was able to preach at a a funeral uh, on Wednesday. And one of the people who was visiting uh, for the funeral, it was her very first time to Minnesota. Um, She actually happens to be a native Floridian and very rarely gets to the Midwest. And like I said, first time in Minnesota. Think about that for a moment. Her first time in Minnesota was last week where the high for the week was nine degrees. The low was negative 20. She was super nice. But if I was her, here's what I was thinking. And maybe she was thinking it and just didn't say it. What's wrong with these people? Why do they live here? When it's negative 20, I question why I live here, okay? But here's the thing. She just had a small little glimpse of what she could see. But thank the Lord that there is more to Minnesota than February. All she saw was one week in February. And if that's all she knew, it would definitely influence her opinion. But what she didn't see was those beautiful summer days on the lake. Or those perfect fall days where you wear a light jacket and all the leaves are beautiful. She just saw a little bit, but there's so much more. Guys, we have to remind ourselves of this every single day. We only get to see right now a little bit, but there is so much more. There is more to life than this life. Maybe that's what we need to start with every single day. Maybe that's what we need to remind ourselves when we're feeling bad about our experience or our circumstances, that this is just a little glimpse. There's more to Minnesota than February, and there's more to life than what we see. There's an eternal existence that's ours. And then Jesus tells them this parable, tells the man and the group this parable. He told them, the ground of a certain rich man Yield in an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. This is good. This is good thinking. When God has entrusted things for us to take care of, whether that be our our money, our children, our possessions, whatever it is, we are to manage or steward that in a wise way. This man started out being, what should I do with the stuff that I have? I I need to store those things. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Verse 18. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus again of grain. Again, not a bad thing. Part of managing well is to save. Part of managing what you have well is to think about the future and to not just spend everything we have. I think a good motto that's kind of catchy or sticky to remember is give, save, live in that order. We give back to the Lord, we save, 
and then we live on the rest. Give, save, live. But here's where it kind of goes sideways. Verse 19, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. This is in the parable, in the story, where things start to get skewed. Do you notice where his eyes were? Only on what he could see, only on this life, only on this short little bit of time between birth and death. And his whole focus was, what can I do today so that I can enjoy this life? This life is what it was all about. Well, how much control do we have over that? Here's what the story says. God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? We don't know how long we're going to be on this earth, but we know it's for a finite amount of time. And then Jesus concludes this. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich or thinking of God. Not that everyone's going to die immediately. That wasn't the, this is how it will be. It's that those who try to find their happy and their purpose in the things of this world, they will end up like that man, disappointed. Disappointed because as many of us already know, the things of this world cannot bring that which we are ultimately looking for. So let's bring this back to marriage. This absolutely has to affect how we think about our lives and what we want to use them for. When I have a chance to either counsel married couples or at times with pre-marriage counseling, I'll often ask this question because it's very insightful, the answers that I receive. Either, why do you want to get married? Or, why are you married? And the answers that I receive often aren't bad. Um, to take care of each other, to experience love, to have children. Uh, I often hear something like, because it'll make me happy, to be happy. Again, none of those in and of themselves are bad, but can I, can I point you to something bigger? Can I point you to something greater that has to do with life being more than just about this life? Listen to what Paul writes to some Christians in Corinth. He writes, for Christ's love compels us, motivates us, moves us, because we are convinced that one died for all, that one being Jesus, and therefore 
all died. We receive the benefits of Jesus suffering in hell. Now we don't need to experience that. That's how we all died. His death becomes our death. We don't have to experience hell. And he died for all that those who live, those who have faith, those who are going to live eternally, Jesus followers no longer what? Live for this world, live for themselves, but instead for him who died for them and was raised again. You see, when Jesus came to this earth, he had a mission. He could have come and done whatever he wanted. He could have come to this earth and been about his own personal happiness and personal comfort. But instead, he came on a mission. The mission was to repair the relationship between us and God. The mission was to give us life that will last longer than this life. That's what he was all about because he understands the significance and the importance of looking long and far beyond birth to death. And now we who have benefited from what Jesus has done for us on the cross and his mission, he now gives us a mission. Number three, the mission of our lives, as Paul declares there, is to serve and to honor God. And, and here's what happens in marriage. Your mission doesn't change from before you were married until after you were married. Your purpose doesn't change. The overarching purpose is still this, to serve and honor God in what we do. The circumstances change, the way that looks changes, but your mission doesn't. That's why, single people, you don't have to wait until you're married to find purpose and joy because we already have that from God. You already have a purpose and a mission. It doesn't change when you get married. It's just that when you get married, now you get to do that mission hand in hand or arm in arm with somebody else. It's the same mission. It's the same purpose. It's the same why to life, but now we get to do it with a partner who will help us probably do it better because they have gifts that we don't have. And let me tell you, when it comes to unity in a relationship or unity in marriage, do you know what unites almost better than anything? Jesus, of course. But in terms of what we're talking about right now is a common mission. Think about a football team all different walks of life, all different backgrounds, and yet they unite around a common mission to win the Super Bowl. Think about soldiers in the army, what unites is a common mission. Think about maybe a team that you're on at work or whatever it might be. A mission unites, and Jesus gave us a mission. 
it could be said in many ways, and there's different nuances to it, but, but I think of the last, some of the last words he shared with us before he left. Go and make disciples of all nations. You've been changed. You've been given eternity. You've been given a life that lasts longer than this life. Now, go and share that with other people. That leads to the second relationship goal that I'd like to share with you in this series. That we will have a marriage where we are committed to making an eternal impact together. We will have a marriage where we're working towards together making and having an impact that lasts longer than this life. What does that look like for you? I'm not exactly sure. It depends on your gifts. It depends on your season of life. But what I know is that oftentimes we don't talk about this specifically. Oh, it happens sometimes accidentally in marriage. But what if we were more direct? What if we were more focused on this? How can we together make an impact that lasts forever? Can I share with you a little bit of what that's looked like in my marriage over the last 20 years or so? So coming out of seminary, I had a passion for leading and for preaching. I didn't know if I was good at either of them, but I had a passion for that. Carrie, my wife, on the other hand, um, she had a passion for um, music, and she was a great singer, at, you know, my favorite, of course. And so we talked a little bit about what that would look like, this, what this would look like in our marriage. And at that season, it looked like Carrie working with me in the music of the church. And she uh, directed the choir and helped the children sing. And she helped me pick out music every week. And I bounced ideas off of her. And then two kids um, turned into four kids in our family. I don't know how that happened, but it did. And... uh, And so she needed to take a couple steps back from the music. She was still involved, but not as much because for her at that point, making an eternal impact was how can I, how can I really raise these children with the love of Jesus in their lives? I need to be there for them in a different way than I was in the previous season. And, and so that's what she did. And now our kids are are older and she has a little more wiggle room and leeway and so about two years ago, I referenced this earlier, we, we just had a real passion for uh, marriages and Christian marriages. And, and we knew that a happy um, marriage is such a big deal. And so we had an opportunity to do some Christian marriage coaching together. And now we're doing that together along with Carrie Stills involved with music. But that's, that's my journey. That's our journey. But I, I don't think any of that would have happened if We didn't think about this. How can we use our unique gifts? And that's what I want you to think about. If you're single, I want you to think about it as you're looking for a spouse. Look for someone who's more about than just about a good career and income. That's good. That's okay. But if they don't understand that there's a life that's bigger than this life, I'd encourage you to keep looking. 
For those of us who are married, I think we should go home and ask ourselves this question. How can we use what God has given us to make an eternal impact? And, and maybe that has to do with getting more involved at North Cross. You know, one of the greatest ways I've seen couples find the opportunity to have an eternal impact is by leading growth groups or facilitating growth groups, small groups. It's just amazing the opportunities we have. And we're constantly always in need of more couples that might be willing to do something like that. Just let Pastor Matt know. But there might be some things at North Cross. There might be some things outside of North Cross. Maybe there's a a family across the street that doesn't know Jesus or is loosely affiliated. And you in your marriage, you're you're gonna go out of your way to love on them. I don't know what it looks like. But I do know that God will use this common mission to help you grow in your relationship, in your marriage, and in your life. It's interesting when you think about what would you want people to say at your 50th wedding anniversary? Hopefully more than they survived it. But guess what? So many of us have the opportunity today, right now, to influence the answer to that question. And today in this parable, Jesus has given us an open mind and direction to what this life is and can be all about. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for parables or stories like this that that Jesus told and for opportunities just to reflect and to apply it to our lives Lord, as we gather together, as we pray together, there's lots of people in different situations. For those of us who are single, I just pray that you lead them to make good choices when it comes to those that they date, that they they would think about some of these big picture questions, even at a time maybe where many of them are quite young, that that these words from you would, would take root in their hearts. For those of us who are married, we thank you for the person we get to do life with. We ask you to forgive us for the times where we haven't been great spouses. And Lord, we pray that every day that you would lead us to build on the foundation of your son. We pray all of this in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen.